humans aren't going away, nor is technology. And I think the insightful, innovative executive is going to be the one that can look at both and, and put them together in a way that is meaningful. Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla 76. So if you've been listening to the first handful of episodes or so of the show, you've probably noticed that a majority have focused on marketing or sales related topics, but we've designed the podcast to cover growth from a variety of angles. And one of those angles is technology. So our guest today is at the forefront of that movement. Uh, and on that note, I'm super excited to introduce Tracy Hansen, president of North America and global CMO for ProGlove, a German maker of wearable digital interfaces and operations analytics for industry. Tracy brings more than two decades of strategic brand building experience at startups, scale-ups, and Fortune 500 firms to the role. She's a student of disruptive innovation, championing ideas that stretch boundaries, mobilize teams, and deliver business breakthroughs. Tracy, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. So Tracy, I found you through an article that you recently published on manufacturing.net back in May, I think it was, that covered some ideas about how manufacturers need to pivot as they look at how to emerge from this pandemic in one piece. And since then, I've, I've you know connected with you and your team at ProGlove and had a chance to see your thinking behind some of the things that are going on in this industry 4.0 world we're now living in. And in particular, what caught my attention were some of your thoughts about this misconception that automation can replace human labor. And the argument I've seen from you and supported by high profile business figures like Elon Musk and some of the biggest technology companies in the world, including Apple, is that human labor is still very essential. And the key is not to replace human labor, but instead to augment the workforce by equipping humans with technology they need to be more effective and more efficient and safer. So I'm excited to unpack all this stuff with you today and sort of draw on your insights and experience for our listeners. Yeah, wonderful. Glad to talk about all of this stuff. Great. Yeah, I know it's your world. So before we get into the thick of it, though, I was wondering if you could just kind of give us a little bit of a quick background on ProGlove and also tell us a bit about your personal journey that brought you to where you are today. Absolutely. So as you mentioned in the introduction, and thank you for all of that, ProGlove is a German manufacturer. We're based out of Munich, and we also are headquartered in Chicago. So we're a four or five-year-old company. We were founded after our um, co-founders won the Intel Make It Wearable contest. It was uh, an idea that they had germinating around how to make people in the assembly line and manufacturing more effective and more productive. And the thing that they made, the wearable device that they made, is a wrap that you can put around your hands. And I'll, I'll show it here in case you use video. They put around your hand and very quickly have a scanner that is as light as a matchbox on the back of your hand, but has the power of data intelligence, real-time feedback, and really clear, clear data capture on the manufacturing floor. So it shifted the, the focus away from how do I use all of these tools 
all around me into one wearable device that you can put on the back of your hand within seconds. And the team, the team from there grew to be a multinational company with more than 500 companies using our product on the manufacturing and supply chain universe. Wow. Super interesting and, and such a unique advancement. I've seen pictures of it. I haven't seen or heard you talk about it yet, though, and to think it's that light and uh, it's, I mean, it, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah. One of my favorite uh, analogies is when you think about scanners and anybody who's assembling anything that has um, multiple parts is likely scanning. And the, the supply chain, everything we touch, eat, drink, wear has been scanned multiple times. So scanning is, is an integral part of our day-to-day operations. And the traditional handheld scanner weighs as much as a Volkswagen, um, Volkswagen Beetle at the end of a given shift. So you can imagine the stress that it puts on the, the human who's working with these devices compared to something that weighs as much as a matchbox. So not just the ergonomics of it, but the human first, human centered approach to technology is so crucial when we think about things like wearable devices. Yeah. And so what, Tracy, what has sort of led you, what led you to ProGlove? Or can you give a little background on sort of, you know, how you got to where you are today? Sure. So in graduate school, I discovered just-in-time technology, just-in-time processes, uh, Joseph Denning, the whole, the whole world. And wrote my thesis on ISO 9000 and how to grow your business and move into quality and control and, and process. So my, my degree and, and my thesis was on ISO 9000. And from there, I moved into manufacturing. I worked at a, a hardware company called NetApp based out of Silicon Valley for about 15 years um, and had a chance to meet a gentleman named Andreas Koenig, who is a, a real leader and visionary in building business and, and bringing technology to market. So after I left NetApp, I started to, to move into the startup space and into scale-up businesses when Andreas called and said that he had discovered ProGlove, met the co-founders, and thought it was just a phenomenal organization that was poised to really bring something new and innovative to the market and, and wanted to break open those markets, specifically North America. So he tapped me to join. I came about nine months ago and have really seen the, the opportunity that this company has to offer manufacturers, assembly lines, supply chain, you name it, um, to, to do something great and innovative, not just with the scanner, but with the, the software that we have behind it. So the um, ProGloves sort of uh, presence in the United States is, is relatively new still, kind mm-hmm. of in its infancy, and you're helping bring it to life. Absolutely. Brand new. We, we started about two years ago here and, and really hit the ground running about, about 18 months ago. And the last year, we've seen explosive growth in North America. Interesting. What's, what's your customer base look like, just out of curiosity? What, you know, who are you? It's across a lot of different vectors. Um, so we started in the assembly space, so automotive um, manufacturing in, in Germany. Um, some of our big customers are the, every major car manufacturer that you can think of. They are likely using the, the ProGlove scanning solution on their assembly line. BMW, Audi, Volkswagen, you name it. Then we moved into aviation, so companies like Lufthansa. Now we're, we're going deep in the retail space, so e-commerce is exploding. So anybody who is with warehouse distribution and logistics, they, they're finding great use for our technology. And we're also seeing growth in healthcare. So both the, the frontline healthcare in hospitals, in, in universities, as well as in the, the back office with 
the design and distribution of um, healthcare goods. So we're recording this in July of 2020, and we're you know in the thick of everything going on with the pandemic. And I'm just kind of curious, what you know, how does this fit into the mix and have, you know, a wearable solution that sort of augments the human worker. Obviously, healthcare is at the forefront of, of all that. Um, just kind of curious to hear you talk about that. Sure. Yeah, so we're, we're in a very interesting time and starting at a new company, right, as we headed into the post-COVID world, or I guess we're still in COVID world, mm-hmm. um, has been really interesting. And, and the challenges that we were talking about as a company in the early part of 2020 have have shifted very dramatically. At the, at the beginning of the year, we were looking at scale and innovation and um, um, deployment of new technology. Now what we're looking at is how can I bring in technology that will speed up my, my operations, keep my employees safe, help me onboard and train new employees quickly and adeptly? How can I uh, use technology to, to enhance the worker in, in a time where safety is absolutely at the forefront of every operation leader leader's mind. So the good news is we didn't need to pivot too terribly strong in this whole universe because from the very beginning, we were focused on the human, the human at the center of the workforce. It has ne- we've never strayed from that. And while it wasn't our intention to have a solution for the environment we're currently in, it naturally fit into this space because our customers, our prospects, the people that we talk to day in and day out are really challenged with shifting the business to accommodate new requirements for health and safety for their employees, bringing on new employees um, as they're rapidly spinning up robust e-commerce solutions. I mean, you think about it as we shift to e-commerce you need more people to do the picking and the packing and the logistics and the delivery and so forth. As we're looking at our manufacturing and assembly teams, they're, they're looking at how can I have safe social distance? How can I make sure that I'm using a, a solution that is um, personal to me? So if I have a, a wrap that's my wrap and I'm not sharing it with three other employees, is that safer? So our human-centered design, our focus on keeping employees safe, has always been a core part of our vision and our culture. And that's what people are talking to us about now. And that's what's attracting them to these types of devices. So a shift more, would you say, to the, the safety focus than the increasing efficiency focus? Or is it, is it a lot of both um, in just given the, how the business world has changed in a few months? It's, it's a lot of both. Safety is, is first and foremost. We actually, and, and, and all transparency, we had a few deals that we or customers that we were talking to where they were they're like, hey, we gotta pump the brakes here. And then once we started to talk to them about the safety component or they came to us talking about the safety component of what they're trying to implement, it became evident that the human first approach lent itself to, to the challenges that they were facing. It's so important to our customers and the people that we see in the field to care about their employees, to focus on, on what will make them Efficient, yes, of course, but safe in the environment that they're working in. The second part is is really around speed of adoption and speed of operation. So efficient, absolutely, still crucial, but as so many of us have had to pivot and do something different or 
or faster than, than we had prior, it, that, the, the idea of um, complete digital transformation, complete overhaul of operations was put to the side and they wanted to look at what can I do to enhance the workforce I have and bring things up quickly without a lot of training, without a lot of, of um, complexity. So ease of use was crucial because speed was paramount. And I'm sure like you, um, I'm sure like me, you probably experienced a lot of, because of COVID, things are delayed. Because of COVID, things are slow. And that, that resulted in a lot of re, um, reimagining of what needed to happen in assembly, in, in supply chain across the board. So it's, it's pretty pervasive. Those two things, speed and, and safety are a recurring conversation that we have with almost everybody we speak with. So could you get kind of tangible for listeners here and, and maybe talk about a few, you know, specific examples where wearable solutions that augment the human worker, um, you know, can help with either efficiency or safety or, you know, just helping productivity. Would love to hear some, some real tangible examples. We can make this concrete. Sure. So there's a couple. So let's start with the, um, the, the sharing of tools and assets. So making it wearable with the, instead of sharing a handheld um, scanner, right? So every time I put it down and one of my coworkers picks it up, I'm, I have the potential to spread germs or to create an environment that is unsafe. And then the time it would take to clean everything between every single scan would become quite a slowing technique. When I have a wearable device, something that I'm putting on my, my body and it's mine, I am now less room for contamination, less, less likely to unintentionally share a germ that I don't want to with a, with a coworker because it's mine and it's, um, it's on me. Then the second thing that I would say is from a wearable safety standpoint, we introduced in our own floor, we're a manufacturing company and assembly company as well. We create the devices on our own premises. We needed a mechanism to allow our assembly team to know when they were too close to somebody. So we created and innovated a proximity sensor. So I had the wearable device and through our, our mechanisms of communication can um, either through optics, through sight, uh, through audio or through haptic, so feeling, let somebody know if they're too close to another coworker. We rolled it out on our floor and then we realized our customers might need it too. So we made it free and available to all of our customers. They could download it right from our website at no additional charge. And then we extended that out to anybody who wanted to download our PG Connect, our ProGlo Connect solution, who maybe didn't, didn't have our wearable device. So they could have it on a cell phone, something on their body, but not our scanner, so that they could keep their employees safe. So that's the second thing. And then the third thing around speeding things up and how does wearables speed things up? Um, we introduced Mark Display, which has on the back of your hand an e-ink reader that allows you to, as a, a wearer of our device, to see instantly what you need to do next. What's the job to get done? So I don't have to go back to a terminal somewhere on the picking floor or go back to an office to get a printout to know what the next job to get done is, saving vital minutes and sometimes seconds every time I'm doing the job on the shop floor. So 
those are just three examples of how wearables can keep you safe and, and keep you moving faster. That's great. Now, along the lines of uh, augmenting the worker, what other innovations are you seeing out there that executives should know about? Wearable technology is is pretty exciting. We're so used to it as humans and, and consumers, whether it's the Fitbit, the watch that you're wearing, the the, the phone that you're carrying. We, we have it in, integrated into our daily lives. So if you bring that to the shop floor, you bring it to the manufacturing plant, and you start to realize that that wearable technology, when used in combination together, can create such um, effective streamlined processes. You can start to envision having a, a human digital twin that, that creates a set of data that you can now, as an operations manager, see what's happening on your floor every step of the way. The, the visual I like to use is when I have a, a truck come into to my plant and I'm un, unloading the truck, I'm scanning things, I'm bending, I'm looking, I'm hearing different things. And if I have wearable technology that is helping me as the worker know where to put the pallet, where to put the box, and then as the a peer comes, where to take the box to, how to assemble, and all of the wearable technology that I have on is feeding me real-time information, giving me um, haptic feedback on, on if I'm going in the right direction or picking up the right box. It gives me the, the intelligence right there within my body to do the, the right thing, the next job that needs to get done in the right order. From a worker standpoint, it's much more efficient. It's less, less stress in trying to figure things out. From an operations manager perspective, it gives me the intelligence I need to know how to improve my production line, how to improve my operations, how to keep my workers, again, very healthy and safe, remove obstacles that get in their way or eliminate challenges that are placed in front of them that are are unnecessary obstacles. As an executive looking to figure out what to do next, I really hone in on the human and understanding what are the steps the human needs to take next to be more effective, to be more efficient. Years ago, years ago, I read a book called The Mythical Man Month. Are you familiar with it? I'm not, no. It's a book by Fred Brooks, and it's this whole concept around adding more people to a, some people think, oh, if I have a software project that I need to deliver against, I can add more people and that software project will get done faster, right? More people means faster. Well, when I look at what I, um, what's happening in, in this uh, assembly floor and in the supply chain, I sometimes hear similar things like, oh, if I, if I add in automation, things will get faster. Things will move faster. And I kind of feel like we need to have a simple a mythical man month concept, the mythical automation month, <laughs> if you will. Um, because really, at the end of the day, it's the human and our ability to respond and to think and to, to move the, the product forward that creates the momentum and efficiency. And when you think about automation and bringing automation into the assembly line, the manufacturing floor, the, the supply chain, you sometimes displace the efficiency because the thinking is automation is going to solve all the problems, but really automation can create more challenges, different challenges. So our thinking is, let's focus on the human. Let's focus on what the processes are that they do and use wearable technology 
to move the needle faster. And that's what I think executives need to really hone in on is using the assets they have and enriching that experience versus displacing those assets with things that will just introduce an entirely different set of complexity and, and challenges that might result in that mythical man month that that doesn't yield the results they're looking for. Yeah, I love that. So many things related to automation, I imagine sound perfect in theory. And then when you get into actually implementing them, you realize that, you know, creates new new hurdles and obstacles. And mm-hmm. um, what you're saying is, it makes a, a lot of sense. Um, you know, it, it's a good sort of segue into the next next few questions I have here. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to augment a worker and another to attempt to fully automate or attempt to fully automate a process. And, and, you know, my understanding from what I've seen from you is that a lot of companies tend to run into these obstacles. And so what does excessive automation look like from your perspective and um, how can executives avoid it? Each, each business is different, right? So some where some companies need automation and it, it could be excessive for a different business. So I think we need to, to look at these um, in unique, uniquely. If I were to, to say, hey, I have an opportunity to, to go in and, and fully automate the entire environment and there'll be no humans involved, I think that would give you great pause because even automation requires human. You need technicians, you need um, process engineers, you need a different, enti- a, a different skill set certainly, when you have automation. It's just different. So when, when I think about what's excessive, I think if it's totally rotating over to we're going to automate everything, where I've seen successes and I've had an opportunity to go to a number of different warehouses and, and assembly floors now, and I've seen the balance of automation, where automation makes sense, where using systems and robotics to to move the process forward makes sense is partnered with where do humans make sense where is critical thinking required where is more dexterity required those two things when balanced out create an incredibly efficient and elegant solution so my recommendation for executives would be to find the balance anytime you say all or a hundred percent or everything you're probably leaning towards excessive. If you're looking at collaborative automation and human collaboration, you're probably on the right path. That's a good answer. And I read a, an interesting article the other day about Apple's manufacturing process. And you know, here you have the most profitable technology company in the world and one of the most technologically advanced companies probably in history. Uh, and they've repeatedly failed to automate their production lines is sort of what I, lo- I gathered from the article. And it's, it's led them to turn back to human labor time and time again. And so what do you think that failed attempts from even the biggest companies in the world like Apple can teach manufacturing executives about efficiencies, automation, the role of human labor, et cetera? Yeah, the, um, the, the article you're referring to is really insightful. And they've been trying now for close to a decade. I think they started in like 2012 with their partner in China to, to bring automation to life. And they, they were going to replace all the human workers with a million robots, what I love about that example, and I think we can learn from, is the, um, that it's okay to fail, right? It's absolutely okay to fail and to, to attempt different ways to bring automation to life. It's okay to experiment. And, and I encourage it. I think it's really important. It's how we discovered the, the wearable solution, right? Prototyping, risk, and, and attempting. 
where what I think the best thing we can learn from the Apple example and from others I've seen is bringing humans into the design stage, bringing humans into the, the process. So they over-rotated to my previous answer, they over-rotated to we're going to do all robotics. As we see in that they're moving forward and others like them, as they're realizing humans aren't going away, humans are part of the solution. How can we bring humans together with technology to create a solution that is efficient and effective? So I think the Apple example is perfect. I think their experimentation has shown us that humans are essential. Um, you mentioned Elon Musk earlier. Same thing. I think they were trying to replace humans in all of their, their assembly lines for, for Tesla. Humans are essential. We cannot underestimate the, the role that humans play in assembly and manufacturing. I think that's a great message to send. Um, you know, what I'm gathering from you here today to kind of wrap this up is that, you know, there's, there's all the technology out there that is maybe feared by some as a replacement for human labor is, you know, it's really when used properly, it's, it's there to make people more effective and more efficient to keep them safer. Um, you know, is there any, any last things you'd say here to a manufacturing executive about, um, you know, just the importance of, of putting technology alongside workers rather than um, using it to replace them? Just that it's technology is beautiful. Robotics are great. Uh, IOT internet of things is absolutely a wave of the future. Artificial intelligence can be so powerful when, when implemented the right way. Humans aren't going away, nor is technology. And I think the insightful, um, innovative executive is going to be the one that can look at both and, and put them together in a way that is meaningful for whatever problem they're trying to solve. So that, that balance and the, um, the understanding that we need both is going to be the, the thing that will set the, the leading executive apart from the rest. Love that. Well, Tracy, this is a super interesting and valuable conversation. I, I really love what you're doing at ProGlove and the mindset you're bringing to the industrial sector, especially during a, a super challenging time in the world for, for everybody out there, really. Can you tell us the best place to find you online in case listeners would like to get in touch or learn more about ProGlove and about what it might be able to do for them? Sure. The best place to find ProGlove is on um, our website, proglove.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn. We're very active and love having conversations with our, our, our industry peers in, on LinkedIn. And you can find me on LinkedIn as well, Tracy Hanson. Beautiful. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the Manufacturing Executive. It was a pleasure having you on here. Right, thanks, Joe. It's delightful. Great. And to the rest of you, uh, we hope to see you next time. You've been listening to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.